Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship this morning as we come to the Lord's table to remember uh, the Last Supper with Jesus and his disciples. On this beautiful Lenten morning, let us open with a word of prayer. God of all glory, on this first day of the week, you began creation, bringing light out of darkness. On this first day, you began your new creation, raising Jesus Christ out of the darkness of death. On this Lord's Day, grant that we, the people you create by water and the Spirit, may be joined with all your works in praising you for your great glory. As we come to your holy table, welcome all who come in the name of Jesus, through whom we pray. Amen. Today, as we come into God's presence and worship, our help is in the name of the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, peace be with you. My peace I give to you. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. The peace of Christ be with you. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, we propose to celebrate together with the help of God the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, this Lord's Day. We come to this table to commune with our Lord. We come in awe and reverence, for the place where we stand is holy ground. Here the Lord offers us the manna of life. If we are to experience this celebration with our Lord and be nourished by the Spirit, let us examine ourselves first, then eat the bread and drink from the cup. The benefit is great if with penitent hearts and living faith, we receive the Lord's Supper. Let us acknowledge our sin before our merciful God with full intention of amending our lives. Let us make restitution for all injuries and wrongs done to others. Let us forgive those who have offended us and as we ourselves have been forgiven. All children of the covenant, be reconciled with one another and then come joyfully to the banquet so that you may experience assurance of God's pardon and strengthening of your faith. Together, let us pray. Holy God, in the light of your holiness, we see ourselves as we really are, and we are ashamed. We confess that we are people of impure thoughts and unclean lips. We think too highly of ourselves and too little of others. We cling so tightly to the treasures of this world that we cannot open our hands to receive blessings from above. Our feet follow the paths of sin. We wander so far astray that we become strangers to righteousness. Forgive us and set us again on the path that leads to life. Deal with us not as we deserve, but according to your mercy, not because we are worthy, but because of your graciousness. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.
While it is true that we have sinned, it is a greater truth that through God's love in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We might live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Thanks be to God. We are called to faithful living with the words of Exodus chapter 20. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not testify falsely against your neighbor. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. As we come to the word of God, let us pray. Lift up your hearts. Eternal God, through the life, death, and resurrection of your Son, Your kingdom has broken into our troubled world. Help us now to hear your word and give us grace to respond in faithful obedience that our lives might be signs of the new life given through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first lesson this morning comes to us from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 9. Pardon is promised to all who come to the Lord. Hear now the word of God. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know. And nations that you do not know, you shall run, shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may give mercy, have mercy on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
so are my ways higher than yours, and, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson comes to us from the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Here we have the parable of the fig tree. Hear now the word of God. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No. I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and I still find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year, until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The lie we are going to address today is the lie of justice. We live with lies that are reversed by this thing we call the kingdom of God. Our legal system, our sense of justice, basically says that the people who do wrong deserve punishment. If you do wrong, God will get you. I remember as a boy being told by mother, my mother, even when I'm not around, remember, Jesus is watching. Remember that one? Yeah. Whew. I can remember in second and third grade when I was trying to get a kiss from a girl and she told me that and I thought my pants would... I was so scared. I can remember still. We believe that. People get what they deserve. That's the way it's supposed to be. You mess up, you do wrong, you pay the price. Jesus really rocks the boat, doesn't he? He starts with two incidents that have happened locally that we have no record of anywhere else except for in this New Testament passage. He refers to an event in which Herod has mixed the blood of Gal or Pilate, I'm sorry, has mixed the blood of Galileans with their sacrifices. In other words, while they were bringing sacrifice to the temple, they were slain. 
and their bodies were offered with the sacrifice. Now you know enough about the Old Testament law that human blood and human beings may never be offered in sacrifice to God. Okay, that was, that was the irony of the call for, for Isaac to offer Jacob. Okay, now, the second event, Jesus says, is that there were some, what, 18 who were killed by the Tower of Siloam that fell on them. <clears throat> Both these incidents talk about an event that takes the life of somebody. In the minds of the people that Jesus is addressing, these people probably deserved it. They got what they deserved. Obviously, this kind of stuff only happens to people who are what kind of people? Bad people, right? Now, translate that into our understanding of why people suffer. People suffer because they're bad. They deserve it. Okay? People are given their plot in life because they deserve it. This is not an unusual way of thinking. It's not really that terribly different than the way we normally think. By golly, that's the way it's supposed to be, isn't it? I mean, that's what justice is all about. Jesus says, unless you repent, you're no better than those people. Wow. What is he saying? That suffering is not directly tied to people who deserve it. Because we all deserve it. Suffering is part and parcel of this thing we call life. And then he moves into a parable. A parable that is very difficult to understand because we typically want to interpret it in a way that messes up the whole message. It's the parable of the barren fig tree. And he tells the story about the man who has a fig tree planted in his yard, in his vineyard, and he walks by and sees that the fig tree has no figs on it. He gets upset because it's been three years since they planted that tree, and there's still no fruit coming from it, so he says to the gardener, let's cut it down. It's wasting space and soil. And the gardener says, well, hang on a second. Let me, let me treat it. Let me dig around and loosen the soil and put some fertilizer on it. Yes, the word is actually manure in the Bible. Uh, and then we'll give it a year and, and see what happens. Now, typically in this parable, we as Christians want to make the people in the parable fit our understanding of life. So, who is the owner of the vineyard? Aha. Uh -huh. And who is the gardener? Very good. Tom, you're, fitting, you're falling into this when I feel bad for you. Because <laughs> you're saying exactly what the church has been saying for decades, and yet the author of this text is saying exactly something more than what we expected. You see, the gardener is the Lord. 
We are the owner of the vineyard. Just the opposite of what you would expect. And so what is the message of the gardener? If you know anything about agriculture, and Walt's back there shaking his head, he already knows this, I can tell. A fig tree requires four years before it ever gives a blossom that turns into a fig. Given knowledge of any agriculturalist, any farmer, takes four years for a fig tree to start to produce. So what is the gardener saying? Look, I know it's been three years of nothing, but the fourth year, it'll produce. Let's just give it one more year. The gardener is offering mercy for the tree. He's saying to the tree, I'll give you one more chance. And that, you see, is the message that Jesus Christ gives in the kingdom. You can't mess up your life so badly that God will not give you one more chance. You cannot live your life without bearing fruit, without God giving you one more chance. And if there's anything about Lent that we need to learn, it's that the Lenten message is this. Screw it up however we might. Mess it up crazy. God still can make something very meaningful and beautiful and significant out of our lives if we repent. If we simply change the way we understand our relationship to God. God is not out to punish us with suffering. God is not out there to make your life worse. When the car breaks down on the way to a meeting, when the washing machine starts to overflow and you've got nothing to do but watch the suds fill the kitchen, when everything seems to be going wrong in the course of your day, the photocopier is spitting out copies you didn't even put in, whatever it is, Whenever you get in that moment of any day in which you feel that everything is out of control, it is not your fault. It's not because you did something wrong. It's not because you're a bad person. It is not a matter of who we are that changes or that affects the way we live. It is the fact of who we are in relationship to God as to how we see what happens to us. This past week, I was sharing with a bunch of guys at the, at the uh, main, maintenance barge in New York on the Hudson River. Uh, I'm the chaplain to the, the waterway, the New York waterway. And they were talking to me about um, the situation with... Um, one of the guys had fallen and hurt himself. And he's one of the guys that is probably the most safety conscious. He's con he always wears a safety jacket and his helmet. He's very safety conscious. He, he fell and hurt himself. And they were discussing over lunch whose fault it was. Of course, I made the mistake of walking in on the discussion. So, of course, here's the chaplain, square collar, the whole deal. 
I have to talk for God. And I said, things happen. Perhaps it was a mistake he made. Perhaps he just misstepped. Perhaps he tripped. Perhaps something was just out of control. (laughs) But, you know, he should have, he should have, he should have, he should have, he should have. And I said, we all should have. Stuff happens to all of us. We all make mistakes. Things happen to us that we have no control of. Is it because we're dumb or silly or unwise or crazy? No. It's because of the way the world is. It's broken. It doesn't work right all the time. That's the reality we live in. It has nothing to say about who we are in God's sight or who's to blame. As we begin the Lenten season, we talked about the lies we believe. And one of those lies is that we get what we deserve. And I have something to say. The good news is God is gracious. And grace and mercy are basically getting what you don't deserve. It's all about getting what you don't deserve. And that's what the table represents to us. It is an open invitation. It requires repentance and faith, agreement with the way God thinks about reality, and faith that Jesus Christ gives us the basis for believing it. No one would ever suspect that resurrection would follow death and execution. But it did. And this table is the evidence. In the bread and the cup, we receive physical witness that Jesus turned the table upside down. And we think differently because of it. Let's pray. May the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Using the words found in your bulletin, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper which we are about to celebrate is a feast of remembrance, of communion, and of hope. We come in remembrance that our Lord Jesus Christ was sent to the Father into the world to assume our flesh and blood and to fulfill for us all obedience to the divine law 
even to the bitter and shameful death of the cross. By his death, resurrection, and ascension, he established a new and eternal covenant of grace and reconciliation that we might be accepted of God and never be forsaken by him. We come to have communion with this same Christ who has promised to be with us always, even to the end of the world. In the breaking of the bread, he makes himself known to us as the true heavenly bread that strengthens us unto life eternal. In the cup of blessing, he comes to us as the vine in whom we must abide if we are to bear fruit. We come in hope, believing that this bread and this cup are a pledge and foretaste of the feast of love of which we shall partake when his kingdom has fully come, when with unveiled face we shall behold him, made like unto him in his glory. Since by his death, resurrection, and ascension, Christ has obtained for us the life-giving spirit who unites us all in one body, so are we to receive this supper in true love, mindful of the communion of saints. Brothers and sisters, this table is open to all who confess Jesus Christ as Lord, and all are welcome. Please turn in your green hymnal to page 250 and join me in the communion prayer. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Holy and right it is and our joyful duty to give thanks to you at all times and in all places, O Lord, our Creator, almighty and everlasting God, who created heaven with all its hosts and the earth with all its plenty. You have given us life and being and preserved us by your providence, but you have shown us the fullness of your love in sending into the world your Son, Jesus Christ, the eternal word made flesh for us and for our salvation. For the precious gift of this mighty Savior who has reconciled us to you, we praise and bless you, O God. With your whole church on earth and with all the company of heaven, we worship and adore your glorious name. Most righteous God, we remember in this supper the perfect sacrifice offered once on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ for the sin of the whole world. In the joy of his resurrection and in expectation of his coming again, we offer ourselves to you as holy and living sacrifices. Together we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray, that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless may be to us the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Grant that being joined together in him, we may attain to the unity of the faith and grow up in all things into Christ our Lord. And as this grain has been gathered from many fields into one loaf and these grapes from many hills into one cup, grant, O Lord, that your whole church may soon be gathered from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. Even so... Come, Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Take and eat it in remembrance of me. 
In like manner, he took the cup, saying to them, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. The body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Take and eat it unto the salvation of your soul. As the cup is distributed, I remind you the outer ring is grape juice and the inner ring is wine. The cup which we drink is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take and drink it unto the salvation of your soul. Brothers and sisters, since the Lord has now fed us at his table, let us praise God's holy name with heartfelt thanksgiving. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and you with steadfast love and mercy. The Lord is merciful and gracious, so do anger, abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, but repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him, who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all and will also give us all things with him. Therefore shall my mouth and heart show forth the praise of the Lord from this time forth forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. We praise and thank you, O Lord, that you have fed us at your table. Grateful for your gifts and mindful of the communion of your saints, we offer to you the prayers for all people. We remember before you this morning the poor and the afflicted, the sick and the dying, prisoners and all who are lonely, the victims of war, injustice, and humanity, and all others who suffer from whatever their sufferings may be called. Lord of Providence, who holds the destiny of the nations in your hand, we pray for our country. Inspire the hearts and minds of our leaders that they, together with our, all our nation, may seek first your kingdom and righteousness so that order, liberty, and peace may dwell with your people. O Savior God, look upon your church in its struggle upon the earth and have mercy on its weakness, bring to an end its unhappy divisions, and scatter its fears. Look also upon the ministry of your church, increase its courage, strengthen its faith, and inspire its witness to all people, even to the ends of the earth. And, O Lord, hear our prayers today as we pray aloud for Author of grace and God of love, send your Holy Spirit's blessing to your children here present, and keep our hearts and thoughts in Jesus Christ, your Son, our only Savior, who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You will find in your bulletin and in the insert announcements, dates, important things that you need to know. But we especially want to invite everyone today who is visiting with us or is worshipped with us to join us for refreshments and, and uh, 
fellowship in the lounge across the way immediately after the service. We conclude our worship today with, by turning to hymn number three, 282 in the, in the red hymnal. Going forth in the love of God, may the grace of Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with us now until Christ returns in glory and then forever and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.